Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com, Valvoline, and Goodyear. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to MotorWeek's second podcast. And I'm once again joined by a, a talented team from our staff. And I'd like to thank, first of all, all the folks out there, our MotorWeek fans, that made our first podcast such a success. And uh, you've egged us on to do it again. So uh, let's keep this up. I'm going to go around the table and let everyone introduce themselves. Jesse, why don't you start? Hi there. I'm Jessica Choksi, writer and reporter for MotorWeek. Good to be here, John. Brian Robinson. Yeah, this is Brian. I'm the road test guy. You usually see me getting in and out of the cars, moving seats around. Dave? Uh, Dave Dorso, head writer. And Ben? Hi, Ben Davis here. Uh, no relation to John, and uh, I also am a professional seat adjuster and button pusher on the show. If you see someone in the car demonstrating all the uh, aspects of it on our road test, chances are very good it's probably Ben. <laughs> Okay, everybody. Um, right now, everybody is uh, around the country and actually around the world is pretty much consumed with uh, fuel economy concerns. And we've just aired our MotorWeek Clean Power Drive special where we look at what really is available in the market to save fuel and uh, fuel-efficient vehicles right today. So that's going to be the highlight of our podcast today. And Dave Durso, I'm going to start with you. One of the, the lead-off road tests on our Clean Power Drive special was the Volkswagen Jetta TDI. Pretty impressive car. And I wondered, what did you think about it? You spent a lot of time well, in it. This is the car that Volkswagen fans have been waiting for because it's their first uh, diesel that is 50 state legal. Mm -hmm. So no penalties for emissions penalties, for no for bringing them in the country. They can bring make as many as they want, bring as many as they want in. And uh, they've got a, basically a system using a series of uh, um, NOx, uh, nitrous oxide traps and um, oxygen catalysts that basically produces a diesel that's as clean as any of the gasoline engines out there right now. And on top of that, you've got performance that is really impressive. I mean, everybody who's driven the car has basically come back raving about just how much power it has. I broke the and tires loose in second gear, and, you know, it, it, it was amazing. It's, it's impressed everybody who's driven it, and uh, people are really excited about it. And uh, on top of this, you've got 30-city, 41-highway with a manual transmission. You go to the automatic transmission, you've got 29-city, 40-highway. I mean, you've got really impressive mileage. Uh, when our guys drove it out in uh, – uh, actually, Ben drove it, right, and – California? I drove it in uh, California, up and down Mulholland, in a six-speed version. And unbelievably, I mean, uh, if you've ever been on Mulholland, it's extremely hilly, lots mm -hmm. of, uh, lots of um, uh, climbing involved, and I never had to take it lower than fifth gear. And I was doing about 45 miles an hour up these mountains. Now, I, got, I, I just drove it home and back and looked at the uh, fuel economy readout, and without even trying, you know, it was, uh, and that was a combination of, you know, some back streets and, and a little bit of interstate, uh, 36. And Ben, you, you got even better than that, didn't you, when you were at Mulholland? I mean, you uh, yeah, I did. Uh, about 40.7. Wow. And, uh, and that wasn't, uh, that wasn't, I was on the gas, I wasn't taking it easy by any means. And diesel people are excited about this. Because that's, that's a growing segment. More mm -hmm. and more people are getting excited. And the Volkswagen diesel people are just a loyal group. So it, the fact that just the fact they can get it in California. They've had really a long up history. The northeast states that have California emission standards, mm -hmm. they can get them now. So that's getting people really fired up. I mean, this is going to be, a, I think, a very big seller for Volkswagen. This is going to be a hit for that, without a doubt. It's very quiet, too. 
Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it doesn't, you don't think you're in a diesel. Matter of fact, I pulled up to the pump and I almost pulled up to a gas pump. I had to correct myself. Fortunately, it's got diesel written all over the. the one, uh, another big bonus is $1,300 federal tax credit for your diesel. Wow. So that's going to make it a lot, a lot more attractive to people because it's already, it's already pretty affordable, a little over $24,000 for the, uh, roughly $24,000 for the um, automatic and uh, about $23,000 for a manual. Uh, you'll also be able to get uh, either a sedan or a wagon. So you've got a lot of variety available. Let's talk real quickly and give me your insight now. Um, you get about 30% better fuel economy. Mm-hmm. So it's roughly gives you the same improvement in fuel economy as a full hybrid. Yet diesel fuel costs a lot more. I mean, it's about, what, 15% to 20% more than gasoline. Do you think, for you, it would be worth you know, the fact that you pay a little bit more for the diesel, even though you get a lot of it back, and you got to pay more for fuel. Do you still think it makes sense? Yeah, I think in the long run it is going to make sense for people. Uh, also, I th- part of it, too, is the performance that they're going to get out of the car. They're, and also they, they understand the car. It's not a matter of moving into some hybrid systems and all that that a lot of people, so a lot of people still look at and go, I'm not sure. You know, they still look at it. They know it's proven technology, but some people are still going. You know, I want a, I want a, a regular engine that I understand. You know, so. Anybody else have a, a comment on the car? Um, well, I think we all like it. <laughs> yeah, Ben. Um, back to what Dave was saying about uh, just jumping in it and going. You could literally put your grandmother in this car, and aside from telling her to make sure she puts diesel in it, she wouldn't have any problems with the thing. The, the engine, for instance, regular hybrid. Sometimes the engine will cut off at a stoplight, and mm-hmm. uh, it takes a while to get used to. And when you first turn the car on, and there's no engine sound there at all, that takes a while to for get used to as well. Yeah, for a hybrid, um, and the performance is is definitely there. Where in a lot of hybrids, it just isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, you also had a lot to do with uh, scripting the Challenge X competition, which is also in our Clean Power Drive. Why don't you give everybody a kind of a, a synopsis of what that was about? Yeah, this is a pretty interesting uh, program. It's uh, uh, sponsored by the Department of Energy. And what it does is it gets various universities get together, and they put together teams of engineering students to produce uh, clean vehicles. And General Motors has a big part in it, and they, they provide vehicles, Chevy Equinox vehicles. And the job of the students is then to produce a vehicle that will uh, high mileage, uh, low emissions. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are going with hybrids, mm-hmm. a lot of that. And they are, GM is providing engines for it. So a lot of them are using diesel engines, European diesel engine, to, as, their, as the basis for their hybrid systems. And you're seeing a lot of different variety. Um, you're seeing plug-in hybrids. You're seeing biodiesel being used. Uh, there's hydrogen fuel cells going in some of the mm-hmm. cars. And if you go to one of these uh, um, schools and talk to these students, it's amazing how enthusiastic they are. This is really um, the, where tomorrow's innovation is going to come yeah, from. It's, these are, it's these also are the kids. showing a depth of engineering talent that people mm-hmm. may not realize this country has mm-hmm. in the auto field. Because these uh, young people are trying all sorts of innovative things. They're not af- basically they're they're thinking outside the box and they're not afraid to try anything. So you'll go and walk get a walk around in one of these vehicles with them, and they just they show you ideas that you wouldn't even never have thought mm-hmm. of, and it's so it's really exciting to see that uh, that they're what they're capable of. And uh, Mississippi State University has taken the prize this year. It's their second year to win to win it. Wow! Uh, University of Wisconsin came in second. So it's. Um, 
I think you're going to see a lot of really, really fine engineers for the U.S. auto industry coming out of here. My personal feeling is that technology will get us out of this uh, fuel box, and it's uh, it's great to see that the universities are uh, working with their students so hard on this because it it's, it's not going to go away. That the U.S. government, the Department of Energy, right. has General Motors has been really excited mm-hmm. about this. They've thrown a lot of resources in it into it, so it's it's going to it's it's a really positive look at the future uh, for a US, for auto engineering in general, and also for the U.S. auto industry. Speaking of the future, uh, if you are have a new car or truck in your future, I'm sure that there's virtually nobody out there that doesn't look at fuel economy numbers to try and make their decision. Um, we're seeing a lot of the old gas guzzlers go away very quickly. GM just announced that they were closing one of their SUV plants two years ahead of schedule simply because the market for uh, some of them has dried up. And um, with that, uh, Jesse, uh, on uh, Motor News, you've been basically looking at all of the new fuel economy data. So uh, what is out there that wasn't out there a few weeks ago? Well, there's a great resource created by the Department of Energy and the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, it's the Fuel Economy Guide. And basically, it assists consumers in choosing the most efficient vehicles they can uh, for their needs. Uh, they're available now on fueleconomy.gov. And basically, they list the, the top models with the best efficiency. So this now covers all of the new, uh, most of the new 2009, I guess. So it's up to date. That's right. That's right. It is. And when we look down the list, is there anything that that jumped out at you as far as what's best? I mean, any trends? Well, yeah, I think for for 2009, what jumps out is it's really comprised of a wide variety of manufacturers, mainly hybrids and diesels. Taking the top scores. That's right. And does it? And that's a big increase from last year. I mean, the hybrids have been uh, in the news, but it does look like they're starting to spread out across all the uh, all the different uh, categories. Or a lot. They of them. are. They are. They are taking top from for five or six of the top categories. You know, we we touched on hybrids just a, a, a second ago. This whole concept of of having two powertrains is very controversial. And, uh, you know, now we have all other things like diesels. And it does seem that they do have caught the American fancy, that people like the idea that you can go up to a gas pump, put in gasoline, and go about your business. But I'm not sure everybody understands that hybrids are, don't necessarily fit all types of driving. Anybody, you know, like if you're on a highway at 80 miles an hour, does a hybrid do you much good? No, it's basically you're, you're running a, a small gasoline engine. You're, the hybrids excel in stop-and-go driving in urban situations. Where the electric motor can really give you... That's when it really helps. You know, that, that was actually the, um, the topic of a um, comparison that we did also on our Clean Power Drive special. We wanted to see how a full hybrid, that's a vehicle that basically can run on either gasoline or electric or any variation of that, versus what's called a mild hybrid, uh, which are vehicles that just have this start-stop feature and maybe a little bit of power boost. And Brian and, and Ben, I know you've got, uh, you've each uh, were very much involved in testing the two cars. We very, had the Toyota Camry hybrid, which was a full hybrid, against the Chevrolet Malibu hybrid. So, guys, what were your impressions? Oh, uh, the first one of the two that I drove was the Camry. Uh, I spent more time in that one at first, and um, just the gauges and the uh, the gauge package is a lot more interesting to look at than than the Malibu, for instance. And um, but it overall has a, a much number feel than the Malibu. There, the steering is not as precise as the Malibu. Um, 
from what I from what I hear, the the fuel economy is much higher. But uh, I didn't spend enough time in the car to to really get a good feel of uh, of the economy. Um, much nicer inside than the Malibu. We did um, we did our own loops on these two cars, and basically what we found was that the um, the uh, Toyota. Camry hybrid, the full hybrid, was more fuel efficient, about 10% more fuel efficient than the Malibu uh, a mild hybrid. But that part of that was offset by uh, the tax incentives that you get back on the Malibu that have expired on the Camry. And while the full hybrid uh, was more fuel efficient and obviously uh, was probably the wave of the future, uh, at $4 a gallon gas, it's going to take you like 250,000 miles to get your money back. So it's a, a really a question of whether or not you want to have that big a payback, even though it's probably a superior technology. Yeah, the, the full hybrids have come so far. The mild hybrids, I'm not really sure I see a, a purpose. The fuel mileage is barely better than a regular four-cylinder. Uh, comparing the two, I actually like the Malibu hybrid's interior a little better. It's certainly more entertaining to drive. Uh, the Camry hybrid, uh, I'm not sure. It gets less fuel economy than the Prius. And the Prius is, what, like $5,000 cheaper? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless you're just really offended by the Prius's look, I, I think the Prius is a much better way to go even than the Camry hybrid. Aren't you surprised that we haven't seen more hybrid utility vehicles? I mean, basically, we have, what, the Highlander, we have one from Lexus, and we have the Escape, which is also duplicated at Mercury and Mazda. And the full-size Chevys. And the full-size Chevys. But I don't know. You know, these right now everybody wants these seven- and eight-passenger um, people movers like the Acadia. And, I, and Highlander is actually the only one in the market for that. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more. Well, for the car companies, it was easier to jump into the smaller vehicle hybrids first because that's where you showed your really big gains. And now then when they've got to step up to the larger vehicles, you, you see an improvement. But not, they're not gigantic. You know, Jesse, being the uh, only woman that's on uh, around the table this morning, and you've driven everything that that there is out there. Do you have any impressions on on as a a mother how hybrids affect you, whether or not it's of any value, and the kind of chores that you have to do? Well, I think going back to what you're saying, I'm, I'm finding that the hybrids that I would personally choose. Um, you know, wouldn't exactly fit my needs. Hmm. You know, like if I'm, I would probably go with a Prius or even a Honda Civic, but to cram two car seats into it is not ideal. So I think we need more choices for families that are, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because basically when you're trying to juggle both a career and a family and you've got everything else involved, uh, these really do become multi-purpose vehicles in, in the purest sense. And that's the segment that wants to save the money the most, yeah. families Where's out the there. Where's the hybrid minivan? That's what we're looking yeah. for. Yeah, <laughs> where is the hybrid minivan? I think that's a very good question. Uh, on this special, we basically uh, tried to look at uh, a lot, also a lot of driving tips that just will help people save money today. And, and Pat Goss covered a lot of that in his segment. And I'm not talking about things like coasting down hills that some of the uh, high mileage uh, uh, advocates uh, uh, basically are out there saying, let's go around the table. How about some tips for people that just want, you know, practical tips that they can save a little bit of fuel today? What would you tell somebody if somebody came up and asked you? Uh, number one is make sure your tires are inflated properly. You can lose a lot from that. And that's the tire pressure that the manufacturer recommends for the car. Exactly. It's in your manual or it's on a sticker on your door. Make sure you're cold infla- your, when your tires are cold, 
that you air them up properly at to the to correct pressures. That's going to make a big difference. The, the manufacturers have done a lot of testing. They they know what's going to get the best results. That's a huge thing. It's like five percent or more on fuel economy. Ben, uh, I'm a big fan of cruise control whenever possible, uh, especially on long highway trips. Uh, it uh, definitely keeps your foot out of the gas. And that mean that so you're not on and off the pedal a lot, right? Yeah, and um, and even when you uh, need to decelerate for whatever reason, it, it it'll bring you back to your your targeted speed smoothly, and and uh, it, you'll see a, a big difference. I was amazed. Jesse, you drive 40, 50 miles a day round trip. Well, you know what I think? I think thoughtful driving, making the most out of the trips that you take out. So many times we run out, you know, so often just to pick up this and that, and you're burning a lot of fuel, you know, stopping and starting like that. So I think just, you know, thoughtful driving. Brian? Aaron, like she said, just combine trips. You know, you don't need to run out all the time. And just be aware of what's going on around you. You know, you don't need to take off at every stop sign. You know, just drive like a normal person. You know, one of the big things for me is that uh, people don't realize when they get their car dinged up and damaged, you know, the bumper's half falling off in the front, that all of that causes a lot of extra wind resistance. And that can cut down on your fuel economy by 5 to 10% or more. And those plates that are underneath the car, they're there for aerodynamics. And people pull up too close to the curbs and they get ripped off. And all of a sudden, the fuel economy drops by you know, a significant amount. There's so many things, along with just keeping your car in good mechanical condition, that all mounts up. Yeah, and weight as well. You know, weight. Uh, the more weight you have, the more uh, your engine has to work. So don't be carrying around a bunch of stuff in your vehicle you don't need in there. You know, all that stuff in the trunk that you really don't have to <laughs> carry I, around your vehicle. I find as well that if you start to uh, set your trip odometer, um, if, if you go to, to actually try to figure it out on a calculator how much fuel economy you're getting, um, Top off your, your tank, uh, set your trip to zero, uh, and then travel a couple hundred miles, and then fill your tank back up, see how many gallons it took you to fill it up, divide it by your trip odometer, you start to get into a, a game with yourself. What about having that uh, fuel economy number that's often on the digital displays up so you can see it a lot? Yeah, that, that definitely helps as well. I, I, I turn it into a game and try to challenge myself, get better and better fuel economy. Because I'm bored a lot, really. Yes, well, you're bored a lot. You're also tired of paying, paying a lot for gas. Well, I want to thank everybody for being with us for our second Motor Week podcast. Uh, Dave Durso, Jessica Choksi, Brian Roberts, Ben Davis, uh, Robinson, sorry. Uh, we also have a Brian Roberts, but he's not here today. Uh, ben Davis, and I want to thank our producer, Michelle Parker, our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood. And uh, for lack of a better title, our MotorWeek podcast idea man, Bob Mixter, who uh, got us all together for uh, these podcasts. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you next time right here on MotorWeek. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com, Valvoline, and Goodyear. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.